This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to Talkville. I am wearing the same clothes as I was last episode because we do these two in a row sometimes. That's how we roll. Uh, this is the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast, folks. We got Tom Welling, for God's sakes. Tommy, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Ryan Tejas. Thanks for having me. Uh, every week we watch these episodes and then we review them. We talk about them. Sometimes you'll like what we say. Sometimes you won't. You'll learn something. Sometimes we'll learn something. A lot of sometimes we like. Sometimes we like what we see. Sometimes we don't. Yeah. Or we don't like it as much as other things. <laughs> but we like discussing it with you. We love your uh, the call-ins. We love the uh, the patrons. Patreon.com slash Talkville. Support the podcast if you can. Uh, thank you. Uh, Talkvillepodcast.com. Get great merch. Talkville shirts. Tons of great stuff. We're going to have some pictures signed eventually for me and Tom. And Zoom's available. So keep checking uh, the uh, website for that. Um, and... Uh, Oh, the handles. <laughs> Talkville Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Talkville Pod on Twitter. Please follow us and write a review. It helps the show significantly and uh, spread the word. Without further ado, please, let's get in to season two, episode four, Red. Titles Red, aired October 15th, 2002. Director Jeff Wolno. Wolnuff? Wolno. Writers Jeff we'll never know. Loeb. Jeff Loeb. Guest star Sarah Downing as Jesse Brooks, Michael Tomlinson as Ted Palmer, and Garwin Sanford as Ed Brooks. Synopsis Clark gets a Smallville class ring, but these rings contain red kryptonite, making him turn into a leather jacket wearing no care in the world, piece of crap, dark Clark. You mean, you mean like one of these? <laughs> look at that. Oh, look at that. Look who's got the class ring on. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's an asshole now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not why. Uh, this episode starts with Clark, Chloe, Pete getting their class rings. Pete is shocked that Clark is going against his father's wishes to spend money on the expensive ring. When Clark puts on the ring, he has a rush come over him. His eyes, his pupils flash red. I thought that was cool. That was just like, hey, we didn't realize that the red kryptonite. And is this from the comic books? Is this? What happens? I'm asking you. We'll ask uh, our Ryan. guest who will know. Remind that question, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, uh, Ryan. Remind that question, Jeff. Whatever. Ryan, In the halls, Lana is chaperoning a new student, Jesse Brooks. As Jesse gets confronted by Vice Principal Gibbons for breaking the dress code because of her outfit, Clark overhears and tells Gibbons that his dress code sucks. And Jesse looks hot. Taking aback, Gibbons issues a warning to Jesse. A new Clark has emerged. I would have been paddled back in my day. Corporal punishment for talking to a teacher like that. By the way, this is the first time we see the principal, isn't it? Since pr Principal Kwan? Oh, yeah. And he backs down. The principal backs down. He backs down. Kwan wouldn't have backed down. Kwan would have been like, F no. you, buddy. Man. Kent, office, now. Now. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to like this new principal. Do we see him more and more? I don't I don't remember. No. Um, you know what? I. You know what occurred to me when I was watching this scene was if you a, a television show about Red Clark wouldn't work. 
That's the first thing I thought. No one would want to be around this guy already in right. one scene. That's right. what I, I was like, wow. Because it's about, the show's about heart and family and friends, you know. And they get to see this, uh, you know, maybe it's something that Clark has to deal with that also is, you know, it's kind of a, a it's a wrench in it all, you know? It it kind of would be like if, if it was all that dark, Clark would have been like the show The Boys. Have you watched that one yet? No. I saw yeah. uh, a couple episodes, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It, 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 it's yes. Like art. It would have been like this is like a PG version of, of So of they that. got the idea from us. Cool. Yep. Back in Metropolis, U.S. Marshal Ted Palmer is questioning Jesse's ex-Kyle, ex-Kyle about her whereabouts because he and her father are fugitives. After threatening him at gunpoint, Kyle tells the officer they've been speaking and to check his phone records. But before he leaves, Palmer drops a radio into the bath mm-hmm. kyle is sitting and killing him mm-hmm. huh. it was tough it was, was tough wicked. it was tough i didn't he wasn't given much but the, the the guy the actor in the bathtub was you know he wasn't given a lot but i just was like you know all right all right it's okay just a local guy for a scene yeah he did he did fine he was fine after school clark talks with pete about hitting a bar that serves minors <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're interrupted by Jesse who catches up with Clark and gives her him her number. When Lana notices they've been getting close, Clark reassures Lana that he hasn't taken his eyes off her. This is, this is cool. I mean, we're getting to see some stuff that we, we would never get to see. It's a, it's a really interesting concept approach because we never see bad Clark and we get to see bad Clark. And I think there's something really fun and disturbing about it we'll get into it um clark returns home and shows off the new ring but jonathan gives him grief for the purchase clark barks back about being tired about stressing money a cheap bastard and super speeds away martha warns jonathan to not push him too far i love i love how that little back and forth were you know and pete says it too where jonathan's like you know i I knew you'd make the right choice and then he comes up with the ring he's like what are you doing he's like well dad you said it was my choice he's like well i didn't think you'd choose that (laughs) because you're a good boy back at luther manor lex arrives to his office and notices that lionel has a team of people that are setting up shop for him u.s marshal ted palmer makes his way into smallville and the wild coyote bar after following phone records looking for jesse palmer he asked to be notified the next time he sees Jesse in his bar. I thought she did a really good job. Uh, the who played Jesse, she was uh, she fit the, she fit the part. Sarah Downing, I thought she did a really good job. And I, yeah, I, she, I, didn't gi- she didn't give a flying f about the other characters. You know, she was doing yeah. her thing. But also, Garwin Sanford is Ed Brooks. That Ed Brooks was the uh, the FBI guy, right? No, Ted Palmer is questioning. Okay, so the guy who plays. The, the the bad cop or whatever he uh i think they looped all his lines i wa- i watched and i was like that's someone else's voice it's it's not quite right and it seemed a little bit distant it didn't seem so like he was i'm, I'm telling i, I want to ask our guest who will be on shortly about that remind me of that ryan well if he's anything like if he's anything like us he'll be like i don't remember <laughs> i bet it will because it was his episode not to leak any. Uh... That night, Clark arrives at the town where Lana, Chloe, and Peter are studying. Instead of joining, he tries to get Lana to leave with him and go to the bar. High school boys trying to go to the bar. Lana says no, so Clark decides to hang out inside with them. After another failed attempt to get the group to leave, Clark uses x-ray vision to notice the birthmark on Chloe's cheek. Real pervy. You're like, this is definitely not Clark. Something's going on with Clark, and and I like how Sam Pete just puts his hands over Clark's face and says, "Oh man, damn, yo, yo man, come on, 
What is it? The next morning, Jonathan gets a call from the credit card company to verify charges on the card from the right the night before. He and Martha head to the barn to investigate what happened and find a, a new stereo system, canoe, TV, and other expensive items that Clark bought. I think this was too much. This it was, was like it absolutely ridiculous. Like he should have just like, okay, a few things that are like, wait, where'd you get the money for this? Where'd you? I mean, he spent $100,000 here. <laughs> On sporting equipment, <laughs> sporting goods. Or something. I mean, enraged at Clark's recklessness, Jonathan tells him he needs to return all the items. Clark ignores his father, instead throws on a leather jacket, takes the motorcycle his dad was fixing up. I like how you just jump out of the barn and say, F it, here I go. We're like, what is going to happen here? On the route to school, we see Jesse being followed by her father, pleading for her to change her outfit to not draw attention to them. At the same time, Clark rolls up and offers Jesse a ride. Did you uh, really drive a motorcycle? It's funny. Um, my my wife yesterday when I was watching this, my wife came in and she saw that Clark jump out of the barn and jump. And she was like, "Was that you?" I'm like, "Absolutely." You really <laughs> no. kept to it. No, it's not me. I actually, I would love motorcycles. I really, I've always wanted one. I do not trust myself. Never have. I, I don't. I, I don't, don't like. Do it. I don't like motorcycles. Don't Here, do here's it. the thing. I just feel like no matter how safe you are, you're always in trouble if some yeah. it's someone else's fault. They pull in, they don't see you, and I don't like how motorcycles are allowed to weave in between cars. I don't know why that's a oh. freaking law. It is absolutely mind boggling. It's you couldn't get more unsafe pisses me right off a quick story about the the guys in vancouver the stunt guys they the stunt guys and there's one guy in particular i remember who was like a motorcycle stunt guy like he can do anything on a motorcycle he can flip it upside down whatever dance on it do a backflip on it and he doesn't even ride a motorcycle on the street what they do is they get together and they do track days where they go out in a safe environment where there's no cars and then they go do their thing there you go but the guy who's like the, the the stunt guy who's the motorcycle guy doesn't even ride one on the street. Yeah, they're not safe. They're just not safe. I hate to sound like a parent, but I've never liked them. I just never like them. I mean, they look cool, and they're but like chances are you're going to get an accident, guaranteed, and hopefully it's not fatal. Uh, when they go to school, Jonathan pulls right behind them, wanting a word with his son. Instead of talking to his dad, Clark throws him into his own truck door that nobody sees but Pete, and he tells him that it's not his father, never has been. That was pretty intense. That was pretty intense. I thought it was he nice just, that Pete went to go help Jonathan. Yeah, it was nice. It was just, it was shocking. Later that day, it's kind of like as the episode goes on, you're like, oh my gosh, what is he capable of? This is not good. Later that day, Clark goes to the town to tell Lana that he's happy. She's jealous and uh, of him and Jesse. Carefree, Clark then tells Lana he's had feelings for her for a long time, proceeds to make out with her, which was a really hot kiss, and then asks her on a date that night. Man, that was a hot kiss. Do you remember kissing her the first time? Mm-mm. Don't say you don't remember that. I don't. I really don't. Oh my God, luscious. Not to perv, <laughs> but like that was a really great kiss. And it was, I don't know, it had passion, but I felt like Kristen wanted to kiss you and you wanted to kiss her, even though you were acting. Uh. It, it worked. In uh. the torch. We'll move on. Chloe tells Pete something she's discovered about their new class ring. She found that the jewelry company making them cheaped out on the materials and are using red meteor rock instead of rubies. Pete takes this info in and shares it with the cans who start to put together the pieces of how the red meteor rock might be changing Clark's emotions. It's just I like that. that I, like, I like that Pete is the one who does it because he just, you know, he knows about green kryptonite now from the previous episode because why else? I mean, how could Chloe go in and be like, hey, I think the red meteor rock is affecting Clark. That would open a whole nother. So yeah, he has to put it together. Yeah, that's really good. Really good tracking. Uh, good writing, if I may say. Black 
Peacoat Clark visits Lex in his mansion and asks to borrow the Ferrari for his hot date to rock her world. Lex is hesitant, but Clark assures him that he's not going to drive it off a bridge. You know what's cool about this? It's not like I'm going to drive it off a bridge. I love that. Wink. Wink. You know what I like is that Tom and I do these Smallville nights at these conventions, and uh, it's a private event, no cameras, nothing, and we get prizes, and we read with fans. I put a ball cap on. It's No one's had a bad time with these things. You have to do it if you're ever forever in your town. But uh, we do that scene sometimes, and people get to read Red Clark and seeing there, and some were just dynamite. They were just fantastic when they were reading it. They really put it, put their all into it. Uh, Clark takes Lana the Wild Coyote, even though it's not really her type of vibe and they're underage. And being turned down for a beer and a dance, Clark diverts his attention to someone else at the bar. Jesse. Jesse, you don't cut fresh flowers from me. Jesse. Remember that song? No. Uh, the two hit the dance floor and end up kissing in front, in front of Lana. This rightfully pisses her off and causes her to leave. Other guys at the bar get into it with Clark and it proceeds to kick everyone's ass. The only I th- remember yeah. filming for this because it was maybe a two-minute drive from the house I lived in at the time. And I remember just thinking like, oh, it's only two minutes away. And I think I was still almost late because I was so happy about not having to leave early. Yeah. I was still almost late to set. And then it took forever to orchestrate everyone in that bar and then the fight. I just It took forever to get all that. Yeah, yeah and you know, I, I would have... The fact that his bat goes into into you know lights on fire it's just like you know they're about to see his they're like wait what's going on here with this guy he's got does he have super it was really you were teetering on the on the edge of like hey everybody knows about this guy's powers so it was enough that you were like okay all right maybe they didn't they couldn't possibly believe that maybe it just happened somehow it was supernatural I i also remember when when clark says anyone else I remember thinking I was trying to do an Al Pacino line. Like I remember on the day being being like, maybe I just saw heat or something before. (laughs) But like, I just remember thinking like, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it like Al Pacino would do it. And I I I watched it. it, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that great. (laughs) The next morning, Clark is packing his bags and looking to explore the world with Jesse. His concerned parents try to convince him that he's not himself because of the ring, but he doesn't want to stop being carefree Clark. So he tells him to beat it. Before leaving town, Clark stops by to tell Lex he needs a Ferrari longer. He goes to, to explain that he's become uh, a runaway and wants more than Smallville and Lana. Intrigued by Clark's ambition to leave his family and become filthy rich, Lex convinces Clark that he'll join him. In reality, Lex is just buying time to help Clark. I know they were going to be roommates. I thought that was fun. Uh, that could have been cool. Jonathan... Uh, and then he visits, Lex visits to see how he can help mend their relationship. Back at the mansion, Clark meets Lionel Luther. Clark pokes fun at his blindness and tells him to get lost. <laughs> Lionel is shocked that the Kents could have raised someone so rude. The two get interrupted by the U.S. Marshal and Ted Palmer. Who- so, by the way, I thought that scene was fun to watch. It I was. Mean, that's really not. That's very different than Clark Kent. Like, I was like, that's pretty fun. You know. Yeah, and uh, U.S. Marshal Ted Palmer tracked them down, uh, tracked down the Ferrari plates from the bar and uh, had questions for Clark. Palmer pulls out a gun. Clark super uh, speeds the gun away from him and shoots his own hand repetitively to freak the guy out. As Palmer tries to escape, Clark blocks him against the wall with a pool table. He learns why he's looking for Jesse, uh, because she and her father are in the witness protection program hiding from his former employee, who has who has hired Palmer to get back valuable hard drives that they are keeping. I do remember the uh, I remember the gun in the hand thing was was somehow really uh, difficult. It's not as simple as just going like 
Like, I think I was going like this, but not pulling the trigger or I was pulling the trigger, but not going like that. Yeah. And then the bullets wouldn't stay in my hand. It, it, I remember just being like, you know, you'd think something like this is an easy gag. But yeah. And again, you're elements. teetering on the edge here of like Lionel's right there and he's blind, thankfully. But well, what's happening? What's happening? Who's shooting? And, you know, Clark walks away unscathed and this guy, uh, the pool table right there. And but why didn't Lionel talk to that guy, that FBI agency? What, what happened? Tell me what happened. I thought Lionel got out of the room pretty well, considering he can't see where he's going. Oh, uh, you're still you're still stuck on that, huh? Well, just well, well, well. You know something we don't, buddy. You want to tell the fans, listeners, our talk villains. No, maybe we ask our guest about how he they they track that talk villains. Hmm. I kind of like that. Hmm. Our talk villains. Uh, Clark knocks out the marshal, then heads to Jesse's house to take the discs so he can sell them for himself. While asking Jesse for the discs, Clark is interrupted by the marshal who arrived to get the discs. He's unsuccessful, however, because Jesse's father, Ed, shoots the marshal dead. Jesse escapes into a cornfield with a bag, holding the discs and pleads with Clark, who stops her to leave them alone. As he takes the discs, Pete shows up with Jonathan Kent to stop him. Pete opens up a box with green kryptonite, weakening Clark, and Jonathan swings a sledgehammer perfectly into the ring that Clark is wearing, destroying the red kryptonite. Norma Clark is back. That was, I really, that was actually a cool scene. That was cool. That was cool. That was really cool. Later on in Lex's office, he tells his father that he's overstayed his welcome and he will be returning his office to the way it used to be. Uh, Lex, that is. Lex relates his overcoming baldness and not letting it be a sign of pity to his father's blindness. I like that scene. It was like Lex kind of being like, you know, enough of this shit stepping up back at the Kent farm. Clark apologizes to his parents, but Jonathan feels uh, his outburst came from somewhere deep down. Clark reassures him that money and material things don't matter. And what means most is family. However, he acknowledges that he is having difficulties keeping up, uh, keeping up both of his identities. Clark also tries to meet up with Lana and apologize. He shows up with flowers in hand, but Lana is resistant to the idea that Clark wasn't being himself and once again clark isn't able to open up and be honest enough for lana and let me say something brief before our guest comes on soon that scene with the parents when it was like it was coming from somewhere i it, it kind of made me go and you're like you know i can't control i have like it's like i have two identities dad it was kind of weird for me i want to talk to our writer here because i felt like clark can't superman shouldn't have those dark feelings he shouldn't have those dark you know, why not to hurt yeah, people or to, I don't know. You guys think differently on that, huh? Why not? I, 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 I thought you were going to say that Jonathan's like, well, they must've come from somewhere. And it, he kind of, kind of goes, <laughs> you know, he doesn't, I thought he would have pushed more. To well, talk when he says, like, you're not my father. I mean, I guess it's sort of like, maybe it's just a, a semblance or it's a little morsel of Clark that's in there that has questions, but aren't as severe as when he was red Clark. Kristen was really good in that final scene of just, Really like Lex did with Lionel. Just Very stoic. Like, All right. That enough, enough of this shit, Clark. You don't get just walk up here with some flowers you picked over the hill and still not tell me what's going on. She was like, uh-uh. Yeah. It was a really good scene. I was like, good for her. Well, I wonder if our guest is ready. Let's see. This episode is sponsored by Better Help. You know, a lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you. 
so you could do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Listen, learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Talkville today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Talkville. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. This guy is, uh, can't say enough about him. Terrific writer, ran Marvel TV, uh, just so prolific. One of the smartest guys I've ever met. Uh, terrific and, human and being. Sweetest. Sweetest guy. We see him at cons now. Um, he's always like, hey, I want to be on the podcast. He's got a lot of enthusiasm. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the wonderful, talented Jeff Loeb. Here's the only part that that I'm a little thrown by is that, oh, it is. It's behind Tom. Okay. I, I was watching one and... I thought it was hilarious that Tom has a giant picture of himself. Okay, you, you know what? Do you want? Do you? Yeah, that is that is a very. It's a younger version of me, but you have to understand. You know why it's there? Because I had a different poster there, and Rosebud's like, "You don't have anything from Smallville," and I ended up finding one, and I put it there, and that's it's Michael's fault. So Jeff, uh, considering Tom, um, your your interest in my in my background, can you tell me what all those little trophies are behind you? Are those what Emmys? Those? Oh, those are things that uh, my mom keeps taking out of the garage and putting up on the shelves. How many I Emmys have you won? Uh, it, it's uh, you know. They, it gets to the point, Michael, as you know, uh, they, you just you just leave them around the house. I won a Saturn Award, which is cool, but it's not, you know, it's not an Emmy, yeah. but I'm, I'm so flattered. That's what those are. <laughs> I only those have are. one. Those are all my Saturn. But Jeff, just. I have all the rings of Saturn. <laughs> just to throw this out to the viewers, uh, not only was he a writer on Smallville and one of my favorite shows ever, Lost, uh, writer for films like Commando, Teen Wolf. Uh, produced heroes, uh, ran executive vice president of Marvel. I mean, I mean, how do you find the time to do all this stuff? When are you going to retire, Jeff? Uh, I don't know. I, Tom, you, you did 200 episodes. I, I know, but I didn't know any better. You're, you're a smart guy. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just old. That's all. It's just as the years went by, I found other things to do. Uh, but Smallville is always going to be have a special place in my heart because it was it was the first live action show that I went on. Uh, and uh, Alan Miles were sort of my uh, mentors. I know they find that hilarious. Uh, but uh, I, for a long time, thought that it was one guy named Alan Miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they called out of the blue. It was, um, they, they had read Superman for All Seasons, which is a graphic novel that I'd written with the late, great Tim Sale. 
Uh, and they had read that. Peter Roth had given it to them. Um, and Peter Roth being the sort of the guy that started all of this. Uh, and as the story that I was told, um, Peter originally wanted to do like Superboy, like a guy in a costume running around uh, the entire time. And uh, Alan Miles, one guy, uh, said, we, that's ridiculous. We're not going to do a costume show. Uh, and so we don't know how to do it. And so they gave him uh, Superman for All Seasons. And Superman for All Seasons, uh, Clark does not put the costume on until the end of the first chapter, which is 48 pages. And it's all takes place in Smallville, and it's got Pete, and it's got Lana, and uh, it is, it's a little town, and it's sort of about a young man growing up. And so I get this phone call from the guys, and they said, hey, we were inspired by your book. Will you look at the pilot? And so uh, they sent the pilot over. This is before it was on the air. <laughs> They're like, take a look at the pilot because we just stole your idea. I well, they didn't steal it. Maybe they just it gave them more of an idea of, of where they can go. Inspired. I, they've always said it inspired them. So I, that's what I'll take it. Uh, it, it again, as the story goes, they, I think it was Al took it to Palm Springs and came back from Palm Springs and said, I know how to call Peter and said, I know how to do the show. Um, but the whole idea of like the kryptonite and all that's all them. I, this, mine was just, just gentle little story about Ma and Pa Kent and, and, uh, and the life living in the core. Quickly. Um, yeah. Quickly. And, yeah. I was going to ask you about what it was like when you first came on to Smallville, like being, put yourself back in that writer's room. Was it, did it seem as chaotic as we felt on set for the first season or two? Was it kind of like everybody's rushed? We don't have a lot of time coming up with ideas. People stressed. Did you notice Alan Miles stressing at the, the network stressing? What do you remember? Yeah. Uh, comedy mostly. Uh, but, uh, they they had a look the thing that i have found is a great show a show that is going to last 100 episodes 200 episodes has to have a vision has to have a set of rules and has to be able to have a showrunner or showrunners that uh know how to stick with that hold the line yeah and i think one of the things that was challenging for some of the writers because some of the writers had been on other shows they weren't used to we would break the whole thing on the board Alan Miles would be in like editing or they'd be, you know, dealing with the network or they'd be talking to you guys up in Vancouver and we'd be in LA working on putting things up on the board. And then they would come in and within seconds they would go, act two, where's the Clark and Lex scene? And we'd go, there is no Clark and Lex scene. No, there's a Clark and Lex scene that's in every act two. Now the rest of this doesn't work unless you put a Clark and Lex scene in there and then they would storm out. Uh, and then I, they, I used to refer to them as like the good uncles, like they would sort of come in and they would go, Hmm, Hmm, Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's fix this and then do this and do this. And then they were on, on when the scripts came in, they were amazing because they knew exactly, they didn't put their names on it, but they knew exactly how everyone should sound and, and, so their their hands were all over every one of the script. Those guys were were so brilliant. I remember I think it was the first or second episode that I ended up directing, and I knew they always did a pass at that time while they were still around. And I remember I think I I think I called Al and I go I I have a favor, and he was like Oh God, and I was like Can you just look at it three days before you normally would? 
because you know i just i was like can you just i just saw that like every time you guys look at things they're instantly everything's better and he did and it was like i went into my prep with a script that we could sh- actually shoot and it was like thank you it was just the but no, they, they that, really they they, that. that was the other thing is they they really understand both production and character but the thing that i loved was they had the best outs was that you know because you the hardest thing as a writer is you uh, television is because there's commercials it's they have all what we used to call it's all foreplay and then a false climax and and then a commercial usually for tampons and so you you would you would put them together i'm just doing all of michael's old bits and so you you would you would put them together and it would just go like this and then commercial and then you'd come back and so there were always like little moments of false jeopardy like you know lana was falling out of the car or clark's building was exploding and his clothes were fine or you know lex finally, you know, would end by going, I'm going to kill my father. And then you'd come back and it would be like Pete at the malt shop going, so Lana, are you going to the dance? And we'd be like, what happened to like, is, are we going back to Lex at some point? Um, but the idea was to get you to sit through the commercial and, and watch the show. And obviously it worked. Um, well, it's, it's so different. It's so different now. Cause when I watch it, I watch it. I you know I, I buy the seasons for the for this, and there's no commercials. Sure. And so it, it's it's different. It's a different abruptness. It's not designed. It's not designed. No, that it, way. it doesn't have a uh, the breaks don't feel generic uh, like they were built in. Um, but I, I'll never. On my first meeting, I came in and they said, "What did you think of the show?" And I said, "I I loved it. Um, I loved it because as Aaron Spelling once taught me to throw a name out there." Um, uh, Aaron Spelling at the time was just the king of television. He had 72 shows on the air. I, you could watch the show with the sound off. And Al got very like, what do you mean? What does that mean? I said, because the show is so beautiful and your cast is so beautiful, you want to like lick the screen. It's like candy. <laughs> and, and, and then I reminded them what Aaron had taught me, which was... And this was when there were only four networks. People like to hit the remote all the time. You need a show that people are going to stop and go, whoa, this looks different than everything else. And they had created a show that had looked different from everything else. And I remember they had a, a, a video, VHS, that they would give to the directors. And the directors had a set of rules of what they could do and where they could put the camera. And my fate, there were two oh my God, that you were never allowed video. to do. You were never allowed to do Dutch angles, which is where the camera's sort of like that. And because they would always argue, whose point of view is that? Who's turning their head like that? The people at home aren't watching like that. We shoot straight on like a movie. And then the other one was every single director wanted to go into either, I think it was Lex's library, and shoot behind the fire and through the fire so that you could see Lex as though he was the devil. And every single time the director would show the shot list, Miles would go insane. Miles would go, and whose point of view is that? No, is no there we're not doing that. The no, fire? no, fuck it, fuck is it. Is there someone on fire? I, 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 I can't have this. And those were the kinds of things. Is is like it was be. And then the only other thing was the uh, what would we call the thirty foot 
the 30 foot jump, the 30 foot throw, something like that. It was, it was on page 50, Clark would throw somebody 30 feet. When you uh, came up with um, Red, the episode Red, which we're watching today and, and talking about and critiquing it and like cool. looking back, um, he's got the red ring on. You can see that. Love but, the ring. But Love the ring. Now, is it something you just came up with? Like, what if we have this, or is it something that you guys were all exploring? Did a couple of you come I, up I, with? I, they, I don't. I don't think it was me. I think I got the script because everyone in the room used to look at me like, you're the comic book guy. What's the comic <laughs> book guy said? Like I'd never done television before. So like no one was going to turn to me. So it was, it was, and obviously I'm very shy and I don't talk a lot. So, uh, so when we got around to doing red, I really wanted it. Um, and so. Cause it comes from the comic books. It comes from the comic books, and it also, but more importantly, all the other, all of season one. It, unless I'm wrong, anything that happened to Clark was external. Like somebody got irradiated by it, and then they turned into the woman that could eat a deer, or <laughs> they. It was the episode where you know Lana went insane, or it was a tornado, something outside of him, yeah, something outside of Clark. And I thought because. And now, Tom, please take this as a compliment. I really felt like the first season, you were still sort of finding your way. And you went, something happened during that hiatus. You had gone, I think, to Martha's Vineyard for the summer. And you came back. And I remember we were all on, like, whatever version of Zoom. And you had this, like, epiphany, which was, I'm putting this show on my back. And from this point on, you can give me anything. Like long speeches, anything you want, like just go for it. I probably didn't say long speeches. No, I, <laughs> I would never say that either. Uh, but but I just remember there was a real shift in your acting. Like you just like suddenly embraced the show in a way that I think made it a, a much bigger hit. And so I had the opportunity in Red to sort of push you. And of course, I was talking to Michael about this. We were at a show together and I, it, like we were trying to come up with what Red Kryptonite does to you. And, you know, in the comics, like you have two heads and, and you turn, you know, there were multiple Superman and there were all kinds of different things that Red Kryptonite did. And I remember sitting in the room going, Clark's like this nice homespun, great kid that everybody loves. What if? What if we just make him like a jerk? Well, it's it's funny you say that because I remember back then finding my way into the character with no consequences. That's that's what yeah. I that's that's how I felt into it. He wasn't bad, he wasn't good, there was no consequence. Clark was always so worried about everything all the time. And I think when I watched it, I was really happy about what I saw. But it's Clark with no consequences. Like, you know, I'm just gonna do this. Yeah. And it was but I before I wrote it, I watched Rebel Without a Cause. And I and I thought that's what James Dean is doing in this, which is sort of you're tearing me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's and and again, you already had because he didn't wear a leather jacket. He he had a the red he had a red jacket. Uh, but you know, we sort of said you're the Fonz. Like okay, and so we gave you the leather jacket and and uh, and the rest was was history. It was just great fun. 
If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use. And you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Let me ask you this, Jeff. Um, we were talking about at the end of the episode. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it again, but there's a there's a scene where Jonathan and Martha are talking to Clark in the kitchen, and they're like, he, you know, she, he says, I'm sorry, and Jonathan sort of says, well, I think there was a part of you that meant what you said, all these things that you did. And he says, Clark says, yeah, you know, I feel like sometimes I have two identities. And it was kind of, and it threw me for a loop because, and the guys defended this. They're like, they had reasons for it. But I thought that's, I don't know. It's like, they're saying that Clark Kent has these devious thoughts that I guess everybody has. Like he's almost like people have these dark thoughts sometimes, or they have these feelings like, hey, I wish I knew my father, but he said it in the wrong way. But deep down, there's a morsel of truth behind it. What was your sort of objective? Well, more than anything, I think it was just to get to the line, which is there's two sides of me. So that at some point he was going to be, you know, Clark with glasses sort of bumbling and sweet. And then there was going to be Superman. It was going to be out there, the hero of the world. Um, but in terms of, of the thoughts, I, I really think that Alan Miles wanted to be able to reach to that so that it wasn't always, you know, good Clark, that there were other things. And I think it also made it much more interesting in his relationship with Lex, because I thought the most interesting thing about Lex that they and that was them was that he was incredibly charming and really well-meaning and in a lot of ways really did want to be Clark's best friend. But there was this demon, mostly created by Lionel, that had brought out a side of him that would inevitably make the two of you sworn enemy. Um, but, uh, you know, again, that was something from the comics originally, was that they were best friends and then they fell apart. How long were you? How long were you on the show on Smallville? I was, I was on to... through uh, season four, um, and my favorite thing about season four was bringing in Lois and meeting Erica and uh, and having that fun because she was just amazing. She, she like, was as soon amazing. As we saw her, we were just like, okay, we're in. We've got a whole different dynamic that we can play with. That's even a little bit more adult than what's going on on the teen side of the show. Um, and I think that was also, you know, Alan Miles' gift was that they 
always were looking for a way to keep the show fresh, to keep it going. Like if if Clark and Lana weren't going to sleep together because they couldn't, uh, then what were we going to do and how could we make it interesting? So they built a different triangle uh, and, and Lois came into the show and, you know, Erica just had fun and she was very different than any other voice in the show. Yep. Yep. And I remember when we first started talking about her and and doing the, some of those episodes was that we really and I don't know whether or not Tom you ever got this note but was that we were looking for a very 1930s kind of banter that it was much more like Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant that it was that kind of sort of funny silly stuff that you guys could say to each other because you always had to be so earnest with Lana mm-hmm. and and so this just opened another door that we could go into. Um, and I, and I sort of remember us thing, and I don't remember what we, how four sort of played out, but that we really wanted to keep Lex away from Lois as long as we could so that she could sort of form her own opinions about everything. And then Lex could come in and, and be sort of the devil on her shoulder going, well, maybe what you're seeing is not everything that you're seeing. And that gave them a dynamic that we'd never seen before, because again, in the comics, as they got older, they dated before Clark and, and she dated. And right. so that, oh, I didn't again, that. It's so much of what we were able to do was be able to sort of tweak the fans, was to be able to sort of leave little things that they could go, oh, I know why they're doing that, because this is what happens in the comics. And then nobody would ever follow up on it or anything. It was just, that was just the fun of doing those things. Yeah, you know, I I always think of weird shit. I'm always my mind goes in different places, and I'm curious because I always I'd love to like put myself. I wish I was a fly on the wall in these writing rooms while you guys are all working together and having meetings and pitching it and story. You know, like kind of like this is what's going to happen in this episode and breaking it down. And did, were were you privy or were you like? Uh, were there a lot of people getting fired at this? Did you see a lot of people come and go? A lot of the no, writers? We, I, at, at the end of the first season, yes. Um, and so we were the new kids. It was it was me uh, and... Uh, For Hayden? Uh, Todd and Darren, who, who obviously you guys knew because they took over the show later on. Um, and and interesting enough, Kelly and Brian. Um, and who then Kelly took over and Brian, the show. who also took over the show, Kelly and Brian literally had come out of film school like like this was and i remember like the first three weeks sitting in there and and sort of the guy that was the the boss was mark for because he had the most experience and he'd been there during the first year uh and so mark would always i'd go into his office and i'd go what do you want to do tomorrow how can i be helpful where can we steer the room because you know obviously i'm a big personality and so it's it was like doing that and but I remember saying to Kelly and Brian after three weeks, guys, you have to talk like you. I, I know it's new, but it's. And so we came up with this thing. I don't think you guys ever knew this. We would start every episode. Every episode started on a Monday and you had to break it by the end of the week. And so on a Monday, we would come in. And the first thing we had to do was you had to pitch the worst idea you'd ever heard. So we would do like Jonathan's a ghost. Lionel's a robot. Um, Clark is actually a dog that changed into a human being, but every now and then he's going to bark and we would laugh and that would go on for like an hour. And then we would go, okay, everybody agrees. Those are the worst ideas in the world. So whatever you have to say from this point on can't be bad. It's a safe place that you can be. Um, and then 
I think by season three, we we had enough writers that we could split the room. And so me and Todd and Darren went into this room that had no windows. And we used to call it the black room. And the other room faced the Warner Brothers lot and had sun shining in on it. And we used to call that the white room. And that was where Kelly and Brian really just exploded because they they really found out. But Alan Miles used to play us against each other. It was, and they would come into the white room and they would go, "Those guys in there, they've come up with like ten ideas. Like you guys are still working on your first idea." And then they come back to us. They go, "You guys have a lot of ideas, but I got to tell you, the guys in the white room, like they come up with like some character stuff that like you guys haven't even thought of." And it it really made it for me. It was fun. I think for a lot of people, it drove them crazy. But for me, it was like. Okay, let's just, and a lot of three and four were just ideas that we would just keep bouncing around. And Todd and Darren were so good at just like, well, what if we did this? And what if we did this? And, and so that part was super cool. And you're, and you're the only one in there who didn't come in with a, with a partner. Everybody else is partners. Yeah, they, I mean, there were a lot of partners, but I, I was, yeah, I was my solo guy. What episodes did you write, Jeff? That you were, let me ask you this. What episodes were you most proud of? Red will always be my favorite episode uh, because it, it was my first. Um, and also just because it was just so much fun. Um, uh, there was uh, Insurgents. I remember that was the Insurgents. One where you did the hostage situation. Yeah. That was a pretty intense episode. Um, and it was basically, I pitched, we should do Die Hard, you know, at Luther Corp. Uh, and, and that's exactly what it is. That's uh, and uh, there were a few others. I, you know, I don't, I, I'd ha I, I literally would have to get and look at my residual check. Uh, but you usually, you got one or two in a season, depending upon who you were. But if you were at a certain point, I, that was the joy was like Kelly and Brian and Todd and Darren would get like three or four because they just, they would nail it. What did a writer make? How did that work? I'm curious. Cause I, I, uh, I, I, I had, I don't know, 20 grand, maybe. Now, if you had two people writing it, you had to split that, right? Exactly. So it's a lot of hard so work for not that much that, money. I remember that like, like, but you would, you were making you more also, money than everybody. The other thing is, is that's not how you get paid. You got paid weekly, uh, depending upon where you were. I was a supervising producer. And then at that level, you also got a script on top of it. But if you were, I remember Kelly and Brian were, staff writers at the beginning and their money came out of their script so i remember like after the first season they like came to us like guys like we can't even pay our rent like and they were putting in like producer kind of stuff so you you'll see in the credits how many people jumped because you don't want to be staff staff's staff's great i mean it's the place you got to start um i didn't start that way because i just done other stuff but, you know, I, I, my question was, I wasn't like, going, how much did you make? I, my question was more like, how much was did you get for a script? Not how much your salary was on the side and what you got paid a week. That's what I was like. Like, what is like now they're probably, you know, like because I know directors would get like forty thousand dollars for an episode yeah. or thirty thousand dollars. So I was curious as to what if you wrote a script, your name was on it. That's what you got. So you're like 20 grand. So yeah. that's what I was curious about. I think you got you got that. And then, you know, the, look, the great part about Smallville was you paid residuals. I mean, I, you know, there are not a lot of shows that, you know, you could be on for one season and then goodbye. You never see them again. You know, when you've got yeah. a show in between the DVD set and between 
the fact that the show was on all the time, you know, believe me, I, I saw Al's house. He did fine. He did fine. Well, look, this is crazy because it's almost a half an hour with you. And I, the good thing about this. Please cut it down. Please, no, please, no way. This is brilliant. You have such, I could listen to you for hours. And that's why I'm asking you to come back, to have you come back for another episode or have you come back, even if it's not about an episode, to tell us some more about the inside because the fans will love this. They'll eat it up. We eat this up. And this, this, is, this is so amazing just to hear these stories and how things work behind the curtain. We don't, we all, we're on set. We're doing our acting, worrying about our lines and how we look. And you guys are trying to break these stories and they can't all be great. And, and uh, it's just really interesting. I'm sorry. What was that? <laughs> well, look, I'm the biggest critic. So, I mean, look, obviously, you know, some episodes are amazing. So we have a rating system on this podcast. Right. No, I see it. I don't understand it. I hope this gets all the roses or whatever you're supposed to do. No, no. So here's it. Here it is. Nothing will ever be a three rose because that's the pilot. That's how I gauge it. Two roses okay. is you're pretty damn good. I mean, this is close to perfection. One rose, it's good. It's a good show. I'd recommend it. A heater is right down the middle. It's neither good or bad. Then it's one bomb, two bombs, and three bombs. Okay. I mean, I've all I've seen are roses, so you guys have been very kind. Yes. I think I only gave a bomb on... What did I give a bomb on? We both gave a bomb on something. Uh, oh, the one, heat. The one we, heat. Heat. With the hot teacher. Oh, I like that one. Mark wrote that episode. That was in the that was in the second. You just saw that one. That was the one before Red. Yeah. You know what it was? She's beautiful. It was it, was it just didn't, duplicity and then red. You know why we didn't like it, God. Jeff? Because it comes after this tremendous season opener. And then we go to that. Yeah. There's no stories moving forward. There's nothing. It's fluff. It's high school. It just felt like it wasn't it didn't belong. Again, I, I just given the time. It, that was part of what we were, we, I think, I, I don't think I'm remembering this wrong, but I think we were told by the network less serialized, like try to make the stories more self-contained. Their fault. That was their fault. And, and that will always hurt character because you're, you know, you then become Magnum PI, like in, tell me how he's different in episode in season eight than he was in season one. A different shirt. That's it. And what we loved about the show, particularly between Clark and Lex, was the growth of the two of them and where they were going and how you could mess with that and yes. how you could turn it sometimes inside out. And and then how could you get Lana into it? And then, you know, what are we doing with Chloe this week? It like it had a great sort of set of characters. And we haven't even talked about how much fun it was working with Jonathan and Martha. I mean, oh, and yeah. that was just like literally. Like you could throw anything at her and she would just be like, got it done. Not a problem. She, she has a gift because some of the stuff that she, that is asked of her, she has to put, she has to put away a lot of opinion. Yeah. You know, she's being asked to just be a model of this, what, what, what you wanted. Um, and I remember sometimes she's like, yeah, but that's why I'm here. I'm here to, that's my job. So yeah. Jeff, we love you. This has been extraordinary. I hope you'll love post you guys. it. Love seeing you at, at all your comic conventions. I, your Smallville nights look like the greatest thing in the world. So much you gotta fun. Come. You have um, to come. I, I, every time we run you're into each other, it, I'm I'm there for the night that it's not there. Well, like, if you're I'll ever there, the second night. if you're ever there, we read. It's funny enough. We only read a couple scenes. And one of the scenes is in red where uh, Clark comes and asks Lex for his Ferrari. And we read Red Clark, and that's one of the, the scenes that we love, we love so much that we wanted to, we wanted to revisit again. So you're well, extraordinary. You. You're and an amazing I, talent. I, 
it's uh it's just been it's been great fun and uh yeah i'm happy to come back whenever you will be I mean, back my the friend. only other person that i really have to mention uh because he'll kill me uh is is greg beeman who just oh we talk about him all the time enormous effect on not just the storytelling but the look of the show i mean he was in many ways a producer on the show like he 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 was not just the director that we went to most of the time he he was the guy that everybody went to and said how does this and he could fix things in places that that didn't happen and then our careers would run into each other on heroes again uh and and have more fun there and also just a guy that would make you laugh love him love him he's the best just amazing i sold my first script i sold my first script with him that's right i knew you guys were together yeah yeah he's the best uh we love you and we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bug you again just remember please this is not bugging this is this is great and i you know and i'll have a whole different set of things in the background next time take care thanks so much hi fans everywhere give this lots of roses Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just open the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's yeah, some. I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right. Going away, gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to. Be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. I just, the story. He knows all the things that we don't really know about. That's why I kept picking the brain. I wanted to. All right. Interesting things to know. Thank you, Jeff Loeb. You're awesome. Uh, in the comics, Red Kryptonite does not have a consistent effect on Superman. Its effects are completely random and sometimes can be positive. Clark's green and dark clothing are symbolic of Red K. Clark. There are tons of instances of flashing red lights used throughout this episode. There was wa- this was watched by 18 million viewers, the highest viewing figures for this season. Jesus. Imagine if all those people became patrons. I never knew we ever had 18 million <laughs> viewers. Are you effing kidding me? They lied. I don't even know what it- they lied. They said they were, oh, well, we're only getting three or four million. 18 million, you liars. John Schneider did his own stunt when thrown against the truck. Oh. This marks the first time that Clark has any kind of interaction with Lionel Luther. Uh, confirm or deny, Tom Welling oh. couldn't drive a motorcycle prior to this episode. He needed stunt doubles for those scenes. He's already talked about that. So we, yeah. we know that. They tried, to, they tried to get me a little comfortable with it and stuff, and we we're like, you know what? Let's, not, let's move on from this. Patron privilege. This is the hotline. These are the questions. Here we go. Uh, we love listening to you guys, hearing from you. Uh, this one's from Karen, a lovely patron. Join patreon.com slash talkville. Patreon.com slash talkville. Yeah, here we go. She's wearing her talkville shirt. G'day there, Michael, Tom, and Ryan. It's Patreon Karen M here from Management Western Australia. And my question is for season two, episode red, which was lots of fun. And I was wondering, Tom, how much fun was it to play Clark on Red K? Because he was so out of character and very rebellious. And was it difficult? 
to um, say all his harsh words to Jonathan and then push him into the ute, I mean, truck, you call it. So I just wondered how was that to play in comparison to Clark in any other episode? Thank you very much. Love the podcast. Bye. Um, all right. So here's the way I'll answer the good question. I would say this. If I were to show up to play Red Clark on any other TV show, I think it would be really hard to do. Um, what we had going for us is that I had been around these people for already a season. We were friends. I think I remember saying to Jonathan before I threw him into the truck, before that scene being like, you know, um, I'm really sorry. And he, and I remember John just being like, don't worry about it. Do your thing. You know, because I did feel bad about saying like, you're not my dad. Like that felt horrible. But he's like, do your thing. This is, you know, this is what we're here to do. So that helps when you have that other person on the side being like, I got you. We're good. You know, let's, let's do our, let's, let's act. Um, wow. You really, you really felt bad about saying that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. You can't tell in the episode because that's the acting part of it. But I think because John gave me permission in a sense, you know, plus the same thing with like Glover, like being a jerk to a blind man, you know what I mean? Like, but that, that stuff, we, uh, <clears throat> we were already professional and, and friends. So it helped a lot. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is Will Hammer. Hey guys, this is Will from Las Vegas. I just got to say, I love the Crazy Clark episode. Those are probably my favorite episodes to watch. Why at the end, when Jonathan comes in with the hammer, Clark raises the fist with the ring on it? It's almost as though he's trying to help Jonathan destroy the ring to get the red kryptonite out of him. I always felt that was weird because by that point in the episode, Clark is already off his rocker. Why would he willingly let Jonathan destroy the, work, the ring? I don't think he was doing I, that. I, I think I was leaning to one side. So the idea is you're breaking the... The idea is that you're breaking it. Yeah, it just you know, happened to be on that hand. He was defending it. himself, right? You were defending yourself. Yeah. But I could yeah. see how you thought that. I could see that. And would, by would, the, subconsciously, is he trying to like say, here, destroy this? So maybe. I can, yeah, maybe subconsciously. Maybe subconsciously, but I think I think Red K. Clark thinks this can break your little hammer, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not worried about your hammer. And going back to your question about Jeff Loeb, when you guys went in, when you guys were talking about the, the two personalities for Clark, I think I remember trying to play Clark like this red kryptonite stuff. That wasn't me. It's the red kryptonite. The dual identity to me was more I'm Clark with my parents who know that I'm not from here and there's everybody else. That's how I try. Uh, okay. To you know what? It's very ambiguous because everybody has their own interpretation of it. Yep. Um, by the way, we'll, we'll be in Vegas, but we'll have been gone by the time this airs. Sorry. Didn't even mean to say that. Here's Joe <laughs> from comic book central. Uh, we love Joe. Joe helped promote the podcast when we first started and continues to promote it. I hope Joe, Joe. Hey, I'll Michael and Tom, Joe Stuber from the Comic Book Central podcast here. Thank you both so much for joining me on the show this year. I really appreciate that. Red, that is what I want to talk about. Huge episode. My question is for Tom. When did you first get tipped off that this script was coming down the pike and that you were going to get to play Clark with no inhibitions? Uh, bonus question on the DVD commentary track. Tom has a killer Gollum imitation. Can you still do that for us right now? I will hang up and listen. Uh, oh, by the way, yes, before I you can. say that, before you say that, is it going down the pike or going down the pipe? Pike. Pike. Yeah. Like I thought it's like going down the pipe. I think it's pipe. I thought it's pipe. It's pike. Well, Tom can answer and I'll Google. All right. I think you're probably right. Tom? Um, I think I was probably told four days before we shot the episode. Or, or I'm sure they just set the script out. 
I, I, I don't think anybody was like, hey, by the way, uh, there, I don't think there was that call. You know, I, the only times I ever really got those calls were if they knew a, like a crazy stunt was coming. They're like, are you comfortable with riding on the back of an 18 wheeler while it's moving? Because we're thinking about doing that in a couple episodes. And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, or it was like, hey, in two episodes, you're going to have your shirt off. Heads up. You know, they, they did nice things like that. Quick Gollum. Um, Quick Gollum. Oh, the precious. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. I know my kids, oh, my kids love it. My kids love it. This is... Uh, uh, it's down the pike. Pike. Yeah, I have a feeling. For, initially, it was used to mean in the course of events and more recently in the future. Interesting. Here's unnamed. I had to ask if um, when you're shooting shooting this, and this was a fun episode, right? We get to see all the craziness that happens with the red cryptic. My favorite part of this, you know, show was the ending where they play that Oasis song, Stop Praying Your Heart Out. It was pretty, you know, that was super emotional. And I want to know, like, when you guys watch this back, is that is that something that you go, wow, they, the music guys nailed that there. That was the perfect song. I do remember going down and being a part of the editing of one of the first shows I directed. And we were trying to edit a scene and blah, blah, blah. And I think it was a Clark Lana scene. And the editor was like, okay, cool. All right, that's all right, let's put some music over it. And all of a sudden it was like even better because it brings so much emotion to mm-hmm. it. It like slows you down. And music has an effect. And it's a big part of Smallville. They spent a lot of money on music. Dude, I had a uh, friend, this girl, Samantha, and she had this great song, and I just loved it so much. And I go, Hey, I'm gonna get this on Smallville. And she goes, Oh, you you know, probably thinking, No, you're not. And I I finally directed an episode. And I kept saying, you've got to keep this song. It's in the, I put it in the perfect place and they kept it. And uh, we were friends, but by the time this aired, uh, I hadn't talked to her in a while. And she calls me probably, I don't know, maybe a year later or something. She goes, um, I've gotten like $20,000 in residuals. <laughs> I go, well, buy me lunch. <laughs> Crazy, man. The songs. Here's, here's Laura. Uh, Let's see what Laura has to say. Hello, my name is Laura. I'm from Bogota, Colombia. I'm calling for episode Red in season two. My question is for Tom. I was wondering about the transformation and preparation for this uh, character and change in Clark's character. Because I remember that Tom in, in season one told us that when he was trying to figure out how to play the X-ray bishop, he got to the idea before, right before shooting. So I was wondering if maybe uh, they gave you more directions on how to play Clark's character with Red Kryptonite, or you had time before shooting, or you just got right away before uh, shooting this scene. So thank you very much. It's one of my favorite episodes. Please keep it up, guys. I uh, love you both. Bye. Well, I, I, I do remember that. I, I remember thinking it, this guy's. it's more about him not feeling any consequences for his actions, so he doesn't care. But I also meant to keep an eye on the. He's not a mean. He's not, you know, bad is is something that I know people say a lot. But I, he doesn't know he is. Um, and I don't remember if anybody told me that. Um, I just sort of that's how I find my way into the character. Will yeah. from Canada International. Tom, you've mentioned how it's fun playing a different character. How enjoyable was this red kryptonite role? We've already talked about that. You you liked it. But real quick, it was fun with the other actors I've been working with for so long to see their reactions to Clark being this way. I think it, even the actors, I think it was just, a, it kept it, it was more fun. It's different. Yeah. 
I uh, I mean, the surprise on like Martha and Jonathan, Jonathan's faces, the, the look on, you know, Kristen's face when Clark says stuff to her. That's all new. That's that's new stuff in the show. Rosenbaum rating. Let's just go right to it. Uh, I, all right. So uh, we'll start out with Ryan this time. Ryan, Ryan. Oh. <laughs> well, don't let it get skewed because of, uh, you know, Jeff. We love Jeff. But you, some people like certain episodes. Some people don't. I, a lot of people like I this really, one. This is a fan I favorite. I really like this episode. Good. I thought I did. I thought I did a great job, and I thought the you episode did. was fun and rewarding. So two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. Yeah. Wow. All right. This is a stand. This is a standout episode. I like it. I like it. I like his conviction. Ryan, you got to be and honest. I won't feel. I won't feel offended if you guys. No, I thought it was a good episode, reach. but I, but Ryan, I want to hear what Ryan has to say. Well, I've been on an emotional journey this whole time because <laughs> when I watched it, I just felt <laughs> uncomfortable. I was like, how is Clark going to make amends with all these people that he's just blatantly offended? What are, what are we doing? How are you going to kind of come get out of this? Yeah. Um, it, it was sort of reminded me of that episode where Lana uh, went. We saw her bad side. Um, but now I'm, uh, I'm here. It sounds like it's a very beloved thing. Uh, Jeff had a lot of fun writing it. Tom had a lot of fun being in it. Uh, me as a filthy casual viewer, uh, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I got to give it a one. You got to give it a one. I got to give it a one. One rose is good. But you, yeah. you have to understand when, uh, when you look at lists of top episodes for Smallville, yeah, this is, if not top five, easily top 10. I, I, I fans I, at conventions. That's so they funny. They love it. We got the ring thing happening at conventions as a result. I know, but it, know. I, I didn't realize, like, when I was sitting there watching, I was like, wait. But now, like, having, like, listened, sat here for an hour and listened to all it, um, uh, yeah, maybe I, I got to flip my perspective, but, um, and maybe <laughs> just open my mind up a little bit, but I have to speak my truth. <laughs> look, <laughs> look, here, look, first, I'm not prefacing with this to sugarcoat it. Jeff's, Jeff Loeb is obviously a gifted, gifted writer producer uh genius person amazing man everyone loves him um this episode i thought was very fun to watch tom in a different light and really take it and run with it and it made me uncomfortable too but i think that's a good thing because it shows you someone with powers that is not a good person what he could do and that really can put some instill some fear in you. And so for that, um, I really enjoyed it. I really thought it was fun. Um, look, it got it's a little campy at times, of course. It's it got the camp. It's not like um, it's not like the episode before. I think what was tough for you is you watched a episode where, oh my God, it's a, it's it's a earth shattering. Pete finds out about Clark's secrets. Mm -hmm how do you compare it's like now you're you're mm -hmm. you know you're jumping from that to this and it's still a good episode but i think if you didn't see that also the thing that jeff said just uh about the the, the network notes of just like they want them to be more one-offs and this was clearly they were going down that road and there's probably going to be a lot more i mean the, even like the last one the freaks of the weeks and uh i guess i don't know i guess i was hurt because oh no tom not tom clark we did, we did. clarks don't hurt yeah, anyone clark i like <laughs> Why is Clark yeah, hurting Clark's, people? Clark's apology, Clark's apology tour didn't make it on camera following <laughs> this episode. <laughs> I'm going to give it, it's either a rose or a rose and a half, which is good. Jeff, by the way, a rose means I would recommend it. I think it was a good episode. I'll go a rose and a half. I'll go a rose and a half for this one. Tom gave two, you give one. I think that's balanced. I think that's good. I'm going to go with that. 
Um, we love him. That's all I'm going to say. Death count, save count. How many people got saved? How many people died? Two dead. Ted Palmer kills Jesse Brooks' boyfriend, Kyle, in the bathtub. Mr. Brooks kills Ted Palmer. One saved. Jonathan and Pete saved Clark from himself. He probably wouldn't have died, but his actions would likely have led directly to death of Mr. Brooks. Through season four, or through four episodes in season two, five dead, seven saved. The series, 40 dead, 55 saved. Ryan's favorite scene. All right, here are the three that I chose. Uh, there's the scene with, uh, wait, it was, Boo. hold on. Okay, the scene <laughs> with Clark and Lex uh, where he, uh, where the, the, the roles seem to have flipped. It seemed like Lex was sort of the voice of reason in this one. The uh, Ferrari mm. scene. The Ferrari scene. Uh, and then scene number two, uh, smashing the ring with the hammer. And scene number three, uh, Lana taking no BS from Clark. Smashing the ring, Lana, no BS. What was the first one again? The first one was Ferrari. the Ferrari. What about the Ferrari? Just oh, Clark, Clark and Lex. <laughs> because they because they sort of swapped. I zoned out, yeah. So Tom, on the count of three, we're going to have to say it. Ryan will say All one, right. two, three, and then here's what happens. He'll go one, two, three. We give an answer like it's a four. All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me think. God. <laughs> This is so funny. Ferrari, hammer, horse. Okay, here we go. All right, one, two, three. Horse. Ferrari. <laughs> you said Ferrari. <laughs> I said horse. I I liked the horse scene. Yeah! What? I did. No two way. Two to one, you son no of a bee. Is it the horse scene? That's but, his favorite, man. Because obviously I had a different I had a different view of this whole episode. Now like and that's just what when I I liked that Lana was like, "Hey Clark, no, uh-uh, I Ugh, like that." What am I doing with my life? <laughs> Besides being on a hit television show for eleven years, no, <laughs> I really thought I had that one. <laughs> it's a great scene. I mean, I brought it up too that you know her just holding her ground and she's riding the horse all great and everything. Yeah. she was easing her mount wonderfully. I think also, I think for me, I was sort of waiting for, for Clark to return to normal a little bit, but, um, interesting, interesting. That was just me and my experience. Fun times today. Uh, we love you. That's it for the episode. Stick around next because we shine some light on season two, episode five nocturne. No clue what this is about. Don't remember it, but remember, uh, patreon.com slash talkville. Support the podcast, uh, TalkvillePodcast.com for great merch. And uh, check our Instagrams for, uh, you know, we're always at cons and stuff like that. And uh, call into the show. Let us know what you think and uh, write a review and keep loving the show. We do. We love you. We'll keep doing it as long as you Michael, want to. Mike, Michael's obviously got to go. So always hold on to Smallville. <laughs> always hold on to Smallville. I have to pee. Thanks, guys. All right, it is time now for the top tier patrons. I, I love you guys on Patreon. Anybody who is supporting the podcast, uh, um, what, do you, what do you do? Uh, Patreon.com slash Talkville. I can't speak. I lousy sleep last night, Tom. But uh, thank you, guys. Patreon.com slash Talkville supporting this podcast. We see you at cons. We love you. Tell us you're the Patreon that's, the patron that's helping us out. And um, we'll be in Dallas this coming Saturday and Sunday signing autographs, taking pictures at the Creation Con with Jared and Jensen and Loudon Swain, the band. I might get up and sing. And uh, we'll be doing a Smallville Nights on Saturday night. You have to get tickets. Um, and all right. 
Tom, why don't we give these shouts? Why don't I give, since uh, you're glitching a little, I'll try to start it out and give you give a little more. I appreciate that. Thank you. Nice hat, by the way. Here we go. Nikki G, Leanne P, Raj C, Janine R, Santiago M. Where's my uh, bust, Santiago? Where's my Lex bust? Uh, Leah S, Little Lisa, Tom T, Sophie M, Betsy D, Liliana A, Abby P, Kimberly E, Michael H, Ray H, Fatima T, Karen Apple M. That was really good. Thank you. Danielle B, 99 more. Lalani N, Catherine P, Brett G, always hold on to Smallville. Estevan G, DJ Kento Twitch, Garrett W, Kimberly L, Justin S, Tom N, Tony V, Rodolfo V, and Jason W. Hmm, interesting, Tom. Here's who I have. Next up <laughs> on 11 o'clock news, we've got Osama A, Lana, rhymes with banana. W, Nancy D, Brian G in the morning, Sarah W in meteorology, Artoon K, Justin T, and Lucy O, Jeremy G, Amanda R, Teddy 127, Michael P, Theo M, Ryan R, Grumpyitis, Jordan M, Hillary B, Tom. That's so funny because you just froze on my feed the whole time. So now I got to. Uh, <laughs> Craig G, Christy R, Pollyanna, Karen P, Derek G, Jor L. Richard S., Heather and Greg, Nico P., I made Talkville say, but, I almost said Smallville, Brian H., Georgina B., Eric K., Clarks M., Kristen B., Tachi M., Kevin E., Nanine W., Stephanie K., Darth Achilles. Ooh, yeah, Takashi M. I dated a girl named um, Takahashi. Last name was Takahashi. It's a very common name in Japan. Darth Achilles, you said Finky Funky. Tito G, Mixter, Stephen F. Damn, who's that? Jeanette never gets old. Jeanette E, Deadvid, Allison H, General Zod, Krauk, spelled backwards Clark. Thank you, Leah Stubbs. Drew M, Araceli's R, Araceli's R, Araceli's, whatever. Big D, John Glover's Luscious Mane, Doug R, Tommy Z, Boston 68, Isabel, Cigar or Sager, S. Corey L. Ivy and Sam, Brittany W., Mr. A., Cal T., Amanda K., Jesse C., Lumberjack, Claire M., fourth favorite character, underscore Zoe, Zoe. You. Scott and Dylan, D. Brown, Joshua W., Green Alice, Karen Era, Karen Era, Karen Era, yeah, Karen Era, M. M. Elden Z. Supremo, no, L. Dan Supremo. <laughs> Sarah Q2, Leslie V, Gary H, Tatiana S, Robert G, Natalia, yeah, Natalia, right? Yeah, Natalia G. Yeah, Natalia G. Got you. Joel Jules and McBurts. Thank Ju you very Julie much. Julie Jules McBurts, we love you guys. Thank you. I love shouting you guys out. You really helped the podcast. And uh, that's pretty much it. Thanks. Continue to watch. Season two is on its way. We're, we're, it's already under underway. We're rocking yeah. it. We've got a lot to go, a lot to cover, a lot of hopefully good episodes coming. Uh, there was a couple that I didn't quite like. We love you. We'll <laughs> see you later. Tommy, take it easy. Thanks, bud.